Thanks for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange, visit www.theexchange.cc. Or you can join us for one of our Sunday gatherings each Sunday at 8.30, 10, and 11.30 a.m. Today we're in uh, the final week of a two-week series called Dangerous Prayers. Uh, dangerous prayers. In this series, we are learning uh, to kind of pray some new prayers for our life. And uh, if you were with us last week, you realized that these prayers are not predictable. Uh, these prayers are not safe. In many ways, these prayers are not really that comfortable. Um, and we're actually saying that these prayers are dangerous prayers. Dangerous, but yet in a really good way. Because here's what happens when you pray things like what we began last week and even what we're going to talk about today is that when you pray in this way, God may actually move you outside of your comfort zone. But at the same time, God may do something. It opens the door for God to do something powerful in your life and through your life. And if you were with us last week, uh, we prayed this prayer together from Psalm 139. We prayed, search me, God. Search me, God, and know my heart. We prayed, test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there's anything offensive in my life, God, and lead me in the way everlasting. Um, it was a bold prayer. Um, it was a dangerous prayer where we pray things like, God, if where I fear the most reveals probably where I trust you the least. And so God, tell me if there's anxious things in me. We also pray things like, God, would you reveal the sin in my life? Would you uncover sin? If there's anything in my life that, that separates me from you, would you make that clear? And I believe for some of you, maybe you begin praying that or even prayed that last week and God began to speak in a powerful way to you and through you. And so today, um, we're going to pray a different prayer. And today, quite honestly, is, is one of my favorite dangerous prayers because it's something that's become very personal to me. And it's what we're going to call a prayer of availability, a prayer of availability. And so we're going to base that out of a part of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 6. So if you have a copy of Scripture, go ahead and open up to the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 6, whether you have a, a hard or digital copy. Love for you to have that open. Uh, we'll also put the verses on the screen. Uh, it'll take us a few minutes to get there. So if uh, you got a little bit of time to get to Isaiah 6, maybe you can't find it. Guess what? You got good time to get there. And so Isaiah 6 is where we'll be here in just a moment. But here's what we're going to do today uh, as we pray a prayer of availability. What I've noticed is based on my observation is that every week, uh, many of you turn in prayer needs, prayer requests. You use uh, the connection card or maybe you text to respond and you go, man, here's things that, that I would like for you to pray for. And, and what I've noticed is that those are, those are really good things. And, and we take that very seriously and our staff team prays over those every single week and thinks about, God, how can we love? How can we minister in these situations? But what I've noticed, quite honestly, is that most of the time what people pray for, all right, what people want prayers for are those things that directly impact them or those that they love. And we normally pray things like, God, would you do this for me? Um, God, would you heal grandma? God, would you help me make this grade? God, would you help me um, get this job that I'm searching for? God, would you do such and such for me? And listen to me, those are really good prayers to pray, okay? And I don't think we should ever stop praying those prayers. But here's where I want us to begin to think in a, in a new way, in a, in a dangerous way today, if you will. What if we begin to pray rather than, God, will you do this for me? What if we started praying a dangerous prayer to say, God, what can I do for you? See, rather than going, God, would you bless this? God, would you protect this? God, would you take care of this? God, would you make this happen? All right, what if we begin to go, God, I'm available to you. I'm yours, and I want you to use me. See, a prayer of availability 
is a dangerous prayer. And it's a dangerous prayer because when you pray this way, God could direct you in a lot of different ways. Even today, with everybody in the room and, and watching online today, He may lead you to go to a different city. He may lead you to take on a calling that you never thought you could ever handle with your life. He may cause you to stay somewhere that you were convinced. God wanted you to go somewhere else, leave this job, leave this place. And God's going, no, I want you to stay. It may be that God calls you to uh, do a different job. Or it may be cause that God calls you to break up with somebody so that he can give you an upgrade in your life. And some of you need an upgrade in your dating life, okay? We won't point to you, but there's some of you who need that. Some of you, God may call you to serve somewhere. God may call you to walk in generosity. God may call you to do something that you never thought that you could do. God may call you to move from being an Ole Miss rebel to a Mississippi State Bulldog or a Mississippi State Bulldog to an Ole Miss rebel. Our God is a miracle-working God, all right? And I'm a Roll Tide guy, so I can say that kind of crazy stuff. See, I don't, I don't know what God may prompt you to do, but here's what I'm saying today, is that when you pray in this way, you open yourself up for God to move and challenge you to pray and to trust him on a deeper level. Because what we see is that all throughout scripture, God calls people. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean the phone rings or God DMs them? No, it means that God calls them to something that he desires for their life. It means that he speaks to people. He prompts people. He moves them. He leads them to say something, to do something, to go somewhere, to encourage someone, to speak truth. Because God will call those who know him to do something that he wants done. And here's where we're going to start today, is that there, there are a few different responses that we can give to God's call. And I want to highlight a few from Scripture that even are become applicable for our own life, okay? And so we're going to first look at three different responses today from people that we can give to God's call when God prompts us, challenges us, moves us to something. The first response that we see from Scripture is from a guy by the name of Jonah in the Old Testament. Jonah responded to God's call in this way. Here's what he said. He says, here I am, I'm not going. That's, that's a good response, all right? Some of you clearly have already connected with that. Here I am, God, but I ain't going, okay? Jonah chapter 1, verse 1, look at this on the screen. Here's what happens. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go, Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Verse 3, don't miss it, but Jonah, our boy, Jonah ran away from the Lord. Jonah said, here I am, God but I ain't going. I'm not going. I wonder how many of you have ever had <clears throat> a similar experience where you, you felt prompted to do something. You felt prompted to give, to serve, to go, to speak a word, to pray for somebody, and maybe you gave the same response as Jonah. Here I am, God, but not today. I don't know. I, I'm not going. So I was reminded um, in a really personal way this week of the power of that response uh, even in my own life of here I am, God, I'm not going. Um, almost eight years ago, <clears throat> when we moved into our house here in the city of Pearl, in the neighborhood that we live in, um, I think on the day that we moved in, we met the lady uh, who lived next door. Uh, we found out that she was a widow for about a year, that she had lost her husband to a battle with cancer. And as a result of that, it led her to try to numb the pain of her loss in many, many different ways that were not good for her, that were not healthy, that were not right. 
And over the last eight years, we have tried, all right, as a family, um, to invest in her, to love her, to invite her into our lives on some level, um, and even to invite her into our spiritual family, what God's doing here. <clears throat> but every time, um, she was not interested, she was not willing. Well, this past week, we got the news that one morning this past week, um, she chose to take her own life. And she suffered, we found out, from a, a large degree of mental illnesses and, and internal things that she battled. But when I heard that news this week, I just want to be honest with you, the feeling that went through me as I, as I heard that news was that I, I remembered all of the times that we have prayed for her, okay? I remember all the times that God has, has prompted me and us as a family to pray for her. I remember the, the small things that we had done to try to love her and invest in her. But I'm just being real with you this morning to say there was a part of me, there's a part of me that went, God, could I have done more? Could I, could I have prayed more? Could I have gone more? Could I, could I have showed up more? Could I have invested more? God, is there a part of me that at any point used the response, here I am, God, but I'm not going. You see, all of us, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, all of us who, who are followers of Jesus have, have had that moment. We've experienced that maybe multiple times where God prompted you, he led you, he challenged you, he called you to do something, but maybe you gave the response, here I am, God, but I'm not going. See, that was Jonah's response. Here I am, I'm not going. But there's a second response we also see in the Old Testament um, from a guy by the name of Moses. Moses says this, he says, here I am, send someone else. <laughs> Clearly you've given that one before too. Here I am, God. Oh, but this, this one ain't for me. Yeah, them? Yeah, but not me. All right, send somebody else. Moses actually prays, he says, here I am, but God, send my brother. Look at Exodus chapter 3, verse 10. Here's what happens with Moses. He says, so now go. God's calling him. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now listen, this is something Moses agreed with. He thought it was a really good thing. But instead of saying, sure God, I'll go. Let's take them on. Here's what Moses says, verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I? Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses says, here I am, God, but why don't you send somebody else? Today ain't the day for me. Why don't you send somebody else? You see, and I believe as well, it's so easy for us to do this, to go, well, God, I'm not going to give, but they can. They got, they got way more resources than I do, so clearly, God, you can use them greater. God, God I, I'm not going to serve, okay, but look at the talents they have. There's no way that you could use me, but clearly you could use them. And we go, God, God, would you take them? Would you use them? Because they've got more time than I've got, okay? She's a stay-at-home mom. She has more time. And all the stay-at-home moms come out with knives, all right? And they're all crazy going, you have no idea. That's how we think, though. We go, here I am, God, but why don't you use somebody else? Use him, pick her. They got this gift. They've got these resources. They've got this experience. But it clearly is not my day. That's what Moses prayed. Here I am, God, but send somebody else. Jonah says, here I am, God, but I'm not going. Moses says, here I am, God, but send somebody else. But there's another guy in the Old Testament by the name of Isaiah who chose to pray a very dangerous prayer. And this is the prayer that I want to challenge us to pray today. So look with me, Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to pick up in verse 8, and we'll look at a few different verses in a moment. Here's what it says. Then I heard the voice of the Lord 
saying. Okay, God is speaking to Isaiah and God says, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Now, I want to stop right there. Before I read Isaiah's response, I want you to process with me what Isaiah doesn't say. Okay, this is what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, God, where are you sending me? He doesn't say, God, what's the climate like there? Can we rock shorts nine months out of the year? Because I'm kind of into that. Hey, God, could you tell me a little bit about the salary range and the the benefits package? Could we talk about that? Hey, God, the people that I'm going to be serving with there, that I'm going to be impacted, are they easy to work with? Or do we need to pray for them right now? Isaiah didn't say any of that. What Isaiah ultimately says is he says, God, here's the blank contract of my life. And I'm yours. Anywhere, anytime, anything. And here's Isaiah's response. Look at the end of verse 8. Isaiah says, and I said, here here am I, send me. See, Isaiah prayed this prayer. Isaiah prayed, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. Here I am, God, send me. This is a very dangerous prayer. But here's what I want to do today is I want to challenge you through the truth of God's word. I want to, I want to dare you and challenge you to pray this prayer. Here I am, God, send me. Here I am, God, I'm available. Here I am, God, you want to interrupt my life? You can do it. Here I am, God, you want me to go somewhere? I'll go. You want me to stay somewhere, as difficult as it may be, I'll stay. You want me to speak a word of life and encouragement, I'm your person. You want me to give, I ain't got much, but I'll give what you've given to me. You want me to just be quiet and pray, I'm your man, God, I'll follow you. You want me to use my time, whatever, whenever, I'm available to you. Here I am, God, here I am. Now, God, you use me. God, send me. It's an incredibly dangerous prayer to pray because here's what happens when you begin to pray in this way. I can guarantee you God's going to interrupt you. God's going to prompt you. God's going to call you. He's going to challenge you. And suddenly you will realize this. God has a lot he wants to do in you and through you when you'll pray that dangerous prayer. Here I am, God. Send me. Use me. I'm available to you. Now, here's the question. How do we get there? If that's this dangerous prayer, and some of us are already like very uncomfortable. I don't think I'm going there today, okay? How do we get our attitude, how do we get our mindset to be ready to pray in that way? So here's the question I want to answer. What do you need to fully surrender to God? What do you need to fully surrender to God? And we're going to answer that question in three different ways. And I encourage you to take notes on this. What do you need to fully surrender to God? Number one response that you need to fully surrender to God is this. We all need it. A genuine experience with the presence of God. To fully surrender yourself to God, you need a genuine experience with the presence of God. Isaiah chapter 6, okay, we read verse 8. I want to use some of the other verses that lead up to that to set our stage and answer our question of what do we fully need, okay? So look back with me in verse 1 of Isaiah 6. Here's what happens. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. 
Isaiah saying this, he was high, he was exalted, he was seated on this throne, the train of his robe, it filled the temple. What's happening there? Isaiah saw the presence of God. He experienced the majesty and the glory of God. And the text goes on to talk about these angelic beings um, called seraphim. And all these angels, man, they're just worshiping God. They're going, holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty. Isaiah's in this moment, and he experiences the presence of God. And when he saw the presence of God, when he experienced the glory of God, listen to me, it transformed him. It changed him. He was not the same. So let's ask this question, why is it that you as a student, as a single adult, as a a spouse, why is that you may not be more available to God? Why is it that maybe you're not praying, here I am God, send me? Maybe it's because you haven't recently experienced the presence of God in a real way in your life. Maybe the reason you're not praying that dangerous prayer is because you haven't genuinely experience the presence of God in your life. See, in January, as we started 2019 together, um, our staff team here at the exchange took on a challenge that we felt like God was calling us to. And so everybody on our staff team, along with their spouses, took on a challenge, a biblical challenge from God for 21 days to fast. And in those 21 days, what our goal was, was to disconnect from things of this world so that we could be more reconnected to the things of God. And over those 21 days, man, all of us gave up different things. For some people, it was social media. For some people, it was technology. For many of them, uh, it was many different types of food. And they gave up a lot of different things that we really, really enjoyed that we thought were like, well, I need this thing, okay? And the goal of that was to grow more intimate with God, to, to deepen the presence of God and our awareness of the presence of God in our Lives. And listen to me, here's what I want to tell you, that God answered. He was faithful. And I believe even that some of the things that we are experiencing, even in the season and the life of our church family, are a direct result of the sacrifice and the obedience of some of the leaders that lead you. And so here's what I want you to understand. And in that moment, God grew something in us. God brought us closer to the presence of who he is. So much so that I would say to you today, if you walked up to any of them or their spouses and go, hey, was it worth it? Seriously, three weeks you went without this? Three weeks, that thing that you, you like, we need that thing. Three weeks you gave it up? Are you, was it really worth it just to have the presence of God? And I would tell you today that they would all give you an overwhelming yes. Yes, it was worth it to know God more intimately. And here's why. Because the presence of God brings us to a deeper place of real submission. The presence of God will bring you to a deeper place of submission to God in your life. And some of you, you hear that and you go, you know what? I've never experienced that. I've never had something like that happen in my life. But can I tell you today, God wants you to. God wants you to know him in that way. And you know what? You can. And although fasting is a very obedient biblical way to do that, it's not the only way that you experience the presence of God. For some of you, it may be driving down the road on the way to work, on the way home from work, listening to music that is exalting to Jesus, that is calling out the character and the truth and the promises of God. And driving down I-20, it hits you. God is with me. And I'm not just 
singing lyrics to a song on the radio, but I'm experiencing the presence of a really good God. For some of you as parents, it may be when you're praying bedtime prayers with your four-year-old, putting them to bed at night, and you're saying the same words you've said for the last hundred nights. But something clicks and you realize I'm not reciting words, but I'm, I'm petitioning, I'm conversating with the God of the universe who loves my kid and is present and is with me and is in me and is in control. See, God wants you to experience the power of his presence because when you do, it transforms who you are. And scripture says, when you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. What a promise. The God of the universe looks at you and says that. So why is it that maybe you're not as available to God as you should be? Maybe it's because you haven't really genuinely pursued and experienced the presence of God in your life. Because Isaiah did, and it transformed him. It changed him. He he prayed. He said, I saw the Lord. He was high. He was lifted up. His glory filled the temple. It was everywhere, and it changed me. I was a different dude. So what do you need? What do you need to fully surrender to God? First, you need a genuine experience with the presence of God. Not make-believe, but a genuine experience with the God of the universe who loves you and has called you to himself. There's a second thing, though, second thing that we need to surrender to the call of God, and that is a genuine awareness of your sinfulness. A genuine awareness of your sinfulness. One of the biggest cultural lies that people believe today is, well, I mean, I'm a pretty good person. You guys are pretty good people. Like, we're, we're pretty good together. I work with him. He's, he's a good dude. Okay, like him. Grew up with her. She's a good person. I'm a good person. Listen to me. Apart from Christ, we are not good people. Okay? We're not. Okay? Apart from Christ, you are an evil, black-hearted, wretched, unrighteous, unholy sinner. All right? Welcome to the exchange. We're here to help you build up self-esteem, feel better about yourself, live life. All right? Now, listen to me. It's true. You're evil. I'm evil. We're sinners apart from God. Scripture says that we're, we're despicable before the eyes of God when we're apart from Christ. It's the reality that we live in. And what happened was when Isaiah saw the goodness of God, it caused him to realize the badness of himself. And I realize that's not a word, but I'm in Rankin County. I feel like I can get away with that. And it was true. It was true. That's what happened. Isaiah looked at the holiness of God and he's like, I'm nothing like that. And he realized the genuineness of his sin. It was a genuine awareness of his sinfulness. And look at what he said, Isaiah 6, 5. Isaiah says, woe to me, he cried. I'm ruined. Some, some versions say, I'm undone. I'm nothing. I'm pathetic. I'm a sinner. I have nothing to offer. He's holy. I'm not. He's righteous. I'm not. He's full of glory. I'm full of sin. That's what Isaiah realized. He says, for I'm a man. And I have unclean lips, unclean heart. He says, I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. So what does it take for you to get to that place where you you pray this dangerous prayer? Here I am, God, send me. What What does it take to get there? It takes a genuine awareness of your own sinfulness. Okay? Genuine experience of the presence of God, genuine awareness of your own sinfulness. But, but there's a third thing I think Isaiah 6 points us to, and that's this. It takes a genuine understanding of God's grace. Right, just as quickly as you're aware of the sinfulness of your life, I pray you're aware of the amazing grace of God in your life. When you understand just how amazing God's grace is, it brings you to this place of surrender. This is what happened for Isaiah. Look back, verse 6, Isaiah 6. He says, then one of the seraphim, the angel, 
flew to me, this is crazy, flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. Verse 7, when it, when, with it, he touched my mouth and he said, see, this has touched your lips. Here it is. Don't miss it. Isaiah, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. See, Isaiah, he experienced the presence of God. He recognized, I'm ruined, I'm unclean, I'm not holy. And then with one touch, one touch from the goodness of God, his sins were completely forgiven and atoned for. Imagine, okay, that's Isaiah. We read that, we go, that's great. Imagine this for your life. In one moment, your lying lips forgiven. One moment, all those lustful thoughts forgiven. One moment, those self-centered attitude that you've lived with for so long, forgiven. Angry outburst, forgiven. All the all those secret sins that nobody ever, nobody ever has heard about ever, but God knows, wiped away like they never happened before. That's the amazing grace of God. Scripture says that God, God separates us from our sins as far as the east is from the west. You can't measure that. He, for, he, he forgets them. They, they are no more. Hey, God, no, but you remember that time? No, I don't. And when we confess our sins, he's faithful and he's just and he forgives us and he cleanses us, makes us new from all the unrighteous things in our life. That's what Isaiah experienced. Listen to me, when you understand the grace of God, that grace, that amazing grace, okay, it's not a song, it's a reality. Listen to me, it transforms everything. You are not the same. It changes everything. The same way that that coal touched Isaiah's lips and removed his guilt, the blood of Jesus forgives our sins. And here's what we begin to comprehend is that we bring nothing and Jesus brings everything. Now, I don't care what your credentials are, what your resume looks like. We bring nothing and Jesus brings everything. And when we sense God's presence, we're aware of our sinfulness. We experience the grace of God. Listen to me. There is only one reasonable response. Only one that makes sense. Here's everything, God. Everything. It's not my life. It's yours. It's not my desires. Give me yours. Here I am, God, send me. One of the most dangerous prayers that you can pray is, God, I'm yours. Anytime, anywhere, anything. I'm yours. This isn't some kind of, like, realize this. This isn't some kind of like, oh, man, well, Jesus died for me, and that was a pretty big deal. And so, man, I guess I need, to, I need to pray this way. Okay, I need to do this thing. Listen, this isn't I got to. This is I get to. This is God has been so overwhelmingly good to me. That I, I, I pray in this way because he's moved on me in such a way. I get to serve him. I get to wake up designed by him, created by him, with a purpose for him. I get to be used by him. God's going to bring people into my path today to encourage. And he's going to give me the words to say. He's going to bring people into my life with need. And he's giving me everything I need for life and godliness to love them and follow him. And I, I, it's not I have to, but it's I get to. And God's loved me so deeply through Jesus. I don't want to do anything else. Here I am, God. Send me. Use me. Pick me. Can I be it? And that's the way we begin to pray. And here's the cool thing, okay? Listen, this isn't a, a one-time decision. 
This isn't like, oh man, was that a revival back in 2012 and I prayed this prayer, here I am God, send me, I've been all good ever since. No, it's not like that kind of prayer. it's, It's a daily decision that we make to say, here I am God, send me. The reason it's daily is because when you're born into Christ, Okay, when he, when he transforms you and the old is made new in him and you have a relationship with him, listen to me. Here's what happens. Your spirit comes to life. And from that moment in your life forward, and many of you have had that happen. Here's a part of the exchange. From that moment forward, there's a war in your life. Never, never ends until you die. Okay, some of you are like, oh, that makes all the sense. Of, yeah. There's a war daily. Now listen to me. There's a war between your flesh and your spirit. Your flesh, I'm not talking about your skin or even your spouse, okay? Listen, I'm talking about your flesh, those sinful, selfish desires that you wake up with every day. We all got them, okay? There's a, there's a war between the flesh and then the spirit. You want to know what the flesh says? You want to know how it sounds? It goes, hey, God, here I am, but I ain't going. The flesh says, hey, God, here I am, but uh, send them, use them. You know what the Spirit says? Spirit says, here I am, God. And I'm yours, and I'm available, and I belong to you. And I don't know what you're going to do with me, but here I am, God. Would you send me? Would you use me? I'm yours. I belong to you. See the difference there? And so here becomes the million-dollar question. You ready for this? How do we learn to daily choose to die to our flesh so our spirit would live? How do we learn to daily, okay, remember it's a daily battle, not one time. How do we learn to daily choose to die to our flesh so our spirit would live? Here it is, here it is right here. What we feed grows, what we starve dies. Some of you need to write that down. If you don't catch anything else, get that, okay? What we feed grows, what you starve dies. So here's what that looks like. If we feed our flesh, gimme, 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 God, me, 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 me. You see this? You see what I got going on? God, would you do this, do this for me? God, I can't, I can't do that. I got a lot going on. I'm valuable. I got to protect my time. God, you could use them though. God, God, hey, not today. Uh-uh, I got so much going on. All these, maybe you don't know all these things that I'm carrying, God, but I'm not going to be able to do that today. Somebody else can do it. I can't give. I can't serve. No, not me. You got others, but it's not me. No, 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 God, I love you. I'm going to heaven. There was that time, remember, prayed to prayer. We got baptized. We got wet. All things are there, but not me. I'm not going. No, 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 no. Not today, God. You, you could use somebody else, but, but, but not me. You know what that is? That's feeding the flesh. Now listen to me. There's the other side. If you can deny your flesh and feed your spirit, it sounds a little bit more like this. I'm in the presence of God. I'm seeking him. I want to know him. I need to grow in him. I'm connected to a a life group. I'm with others because they need to be sharpened and I need to be sharpened. We're sharing this together. God, you want to grow me? You want to use me? I'm using my spiritual gifts that have been given by you, for you. They're for your glory. God, I am the church. God, I am the church. I'm the church in the world. And God, when I show up at my workplace, I want to represent you more than I represent me. God, when I go to my school, I want the light of Jesus to be so bright in me that everybody around me goes, what is that thing? Listen to me. That's what it looks like to feed the Spirit in you. And what you feed grows and what you starve dies. And there is a war that is going on inside of you. And for some of you, that makes a whole lot of sense that you haven't thought about in a really long time. 
And that's what happens with Isaiah. He says, I'm available. And because I'm available, God's going to use me. And listen, when you pray that way, God will use you. He'll use you to do more and more. Whoever's faithful with little will be trusted with much. And some of you are going, why in the world is he trusting so-and-so with so much? Maybe because they've been faithful to be faithful with the little bit that they have. And God says, I can trust them a little bit more. That's why the apostle Paul, he's a wise dude. You know what he said? He says, I die daily. That's crazy. I die daily. What does that mean? Like he just falls over, you got to resuscitate him every day? No, that's not what that means. Paul says, every day I have to, I have to crucify my flesh. Every day, I got, I got to put the flesh down so the spirit can be more prominent. And so he said crazy things like this. He says, I'm crucified with Christ. What are you talking about, Paul? You're dying? No, he goes, no, never, nevertheless, I live. It's me. But it's no longer I who live, but it's Jesus in me. He lives. He becomes my motivation. He powers me. He, he challenges me. He's what comes out of me. And that's what happens whenever we experience the presence of God. We're aware of our own sinfulness and we experience the grace of God that we don't deserve. That becomes our response. Oh my goodness. Yes, God, please use me. Would you, would you put me at the front of the line? God, here I am. I'm your hands. I'm your feet. I am your church. God, would you use me? Here I am. Send me. So, why, why is this? Why is it that more Jesus followers don't pray that prayer? It's dangerous, okay? Let's just say that. It's dangerous. Here I am, send me. That's dangerous. But why is it that more of us don't pray that way? Well, it could be that some of us just haven't thought of it, okay? I'm going to throw that out there. Some of us just maybe have never thought that way. And today, God's challenging you to think that way. But I think from personal observation and watching other people around me in my life that we're afraid, I think many of us are afraid to pray that because it's a really dangerous prayer. And I can't prove this, but just from talking to different people and being a fleshly being on the earth myself, I think that many people are afraid if they pray that way, here I am, God, send me, that God's going to send them to the heart of the desert of Africa to be a missionary where they can never use a real toilet ever again in their life. Some of you have, you've thought that, uh uh-huh, you've thought that. And here's what I want you to know. Listen to me, here's what I want you to know. When you pray that way, it could happen. Maybe. Could be that God sends you that way. But you know what's probably a little more likely? That he'll call you to be a missionary at your workplace. Because that's holy too. He'll call you to take the things that he's given you, the gifts, the time, the energy, the experience, and he just wants you to use it for him. He may call you to just serve somewhere that you've been denying for a long time. Maybe you see one in our church family. He may call you to give, and you go, I don't, I don't have that much to give. God goes, no, I just want you to give what, what I've given to you. He may call you to say something. He may call you to pray for somebody. He may call you to stay somewhere. When you get really honest and you pray, here I am, God, send me. He may call you to pay for a single mom with four kids lunch for eight bucks. And you go, that's not really that big of a thing. You ask her. It's a big deal. You ask God, and you go, that's a really big thing because you know what? You were faithful and obedient to me, and that was the whole goal the whole time. See, when you do enough little things and are faithful to God, you may wake up one day and realize that the little things were actually the big things because you've been faithful to God day after day. And when you've been faithful in the little things, God begins to be ready to trust you in the big things. One day you may pray, God, I'll go wherever. 
Wherever you want me to go, anytime, anywhere, anything, I'm yours, here I am, send me. And he may prompt you to, to give. He may prompt you to serve somewhere in the church. He may prompt you to step up and lead a life group. Uh-uh, not me. Yeah, maybe you. He may prompt you to go and serve and love in the two-year-old room. That's kind of like Africa. They don't use a real toilet. He may cause you to give above and beyond your tithe. He may call you to foster. He may call you to adopt. He may call you to speak something, to pray something, to go somewhere, to stay somewhere. All because you get crazy enough to pray, here I am, God, send me. I don't know what he's going to prompt you to do, but when you start saying yes to Jesus, you're going to recognize he's calling you to do more and more because you are his hands and you are his feet in the world and you're willing to go, here I am, God, send me, send me. Here I am, I belong to you, I'm yours, anywhere, anytime, anything. See, in 2010, I was serving on church staff at a, another church here in central Mississippi. My wife and I were newly married. We loved where we were. Amazing things were happening. We loved the people that we were around. And for all of our little plans that we had made in our little world, we were going to be there for a long time because it was great. What we began to realize was that God was stirring something in us for him to use us in a different way. And I'm just going to be real with you today to say, I didn't know what God was doing. And I didn't even really know how to process what he was doing. But God would not leave us alone. And he continued to stir in us. And over the course of multiple months, he began to put in front of us this idea of, of church planting, of launching a brand new church. I'll just be real with you. That ain't something I'd ever thought about, ever desired to do. As far as I knew, the only people who started new churches were weird people or people who were mad at their current church. That was it. And maybe I was weird, but I didn't feel like I was in either one of them categories. But God would not leave us alone. And I began to lay out my list. Every time God would call, I go, I'm answering God, but let me tell you about all this little list I got down here. All right, I'm not old enough. I'm not experienced enough. I don't know enough people. I ain't got no money. You know the bank account. God, you get what I got, but it ain't a whole lot, okay? I don't see how you want this to happen. But God wouldn't leave us alone, and my wife and I, we, we begin, even our young marriage, to ask all these different questions. Okay, God, so let's, let's just say what if. If you want this to happen, where are you going to do it? Huh? Where, where are you going to send us, God? Who's going to show up? Because we don't even know hardly anybody. God, how are you going to pay for this? Because you don't want to get us into this. How are you going to pay for it? And we begin to lay out questions after questions after questions. That was all until one night. And I'll never forget, we went to dinner with some friends at Wendy's. And we sat across the table and we began to lay out all the things that God was leading us, stirring in us, all these questions. We were very real before them. And I'll never forget when our friends looked at us and here's what they said. God just wants you to give him your yes. That's it. You don't have to have the answer to all those questions. God just wants you to give him your yes. Soon after, we were sitting in a Wednesday night worship gathering at our church, and the pastor that night was preaching. And he preached from a passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 9. And he says, it said, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Meaning there are many, there are many who are still to be reached for the name and the glory of Jesus. But who's going to do it? Who's going to go? I'm just saying at the end of that message, throughout that time, it was one of those foundational, earth-shaking 
truths for us. And it was so clear that God was speaking so loudly in that moment. And it was for us. And all God wanted, you know what we wanted? Just wanted our yes. That's it. And in that moment, we knew we had two choices. One, we could say yes and let him answer all those million questions we had. Or we could say no and live very uncomfortable and be very disobedient. And I'm here to tell you that I'm so grateful that by the grace of God, he led us as a very young, naive, dumb couple in that moment to give God our yes. And some of you know the rest of the story. Over the next two years, God would lay out the vision and the calling to plant a new life-giving church called The Exchange in the heart of Pearl, Mississippi. And by the grace of God, over the last multiple years through this church family, we've seen hundreds and hundreds of people's lives be changed. And on that night, I'm so grateful that God led us to pray, here we are, send us anywhere, anytime, anything. As I think about you, I can't help but think that God may be leading some of you to pray that same prayer. Maybe not to launch a brand new church, but to pray, God, I know you are calling. And even though I may not have all the answers to my questions, and even though I may not understand how all my excuses may work out, here's my yes. Here's my yes. I belong to you. I'm yours anywhere, anytime, any place. Has it happened? Genuine experience of the presence of God is real in your life. Genuine awareness of the sinfulness in your life. But at the same time, genuine awareness of the grace of God that has changed your life. And here's what begins to happen. You don't have to, you get to. Because there's some people and they will pray this way. Here I am, God, but I'm not going. And some people will say, here I am, God, send somebody else. But when you have experienced the goodness and the grace of God, you have to be different. You have to be different. And you have no other choice but to pray. Here I am, God. Send me. Use me. Let me pray for you this morning. Thanks again for listening to this message. For more information about The Exchange or to find out how you can connect with or support what God is doing, visit www.theexchange.cc. Now go, be the church, and give life.